What is happening, everyone? Hey, it's Nick with the Arsenal Bros. Hey, we're here to chat over the thrilling 2-1 victory over Fulham, the celebratory atmosphere that is the Emirates Stadium. Safe to say it is Party Central. And we preview Aston Villa and talk about everything in between from great cameo showing from Eddie and Kedia to the brilliance of Martin Odegaard. Take a listen. Welcome, everyone, to the Arsenal Bros Podcast, episode 27. We are here, still unbeaten, still top of the table. Life as an Arsenal fan is simply great as always, but even better now. Kevin, thanks for joining. Would you agree? I would agree. It is a great time to be an Arsenal fan, and... It's always good winning on Saturday because then the whole rest of the weekend you get to enjoy, even if it's not all the results that you would have wanted. No doubt. No doubt. Benji, how are you feeling? Uh, I think Kevin's right. This is a great time to be an Arsenal fan. A bunch of um, college students I work with don't don't know Arsenal at this level. And so it's kind of fun to teach them a little bit about this is this is how we're supposed to be. No doubt. Yes, we are steadily getting back to that upper echelon where the club belongs and uh, to have been part of the journey for many years has been uh, special. So let's hope we're still going that way. But for now, we're top and we'll celebrate being top. Kevin, you said 35 cup finals, 34 to go. I think if we can get, we'll say... 102 points, 100 points. I think that's the title. And it doesn't seem like too lofty of a goal. We're already 12 for 12. And it seems realistic to me. I don't know about you guys, but with with this squad, the way things are going, it doesn't matter who plays. We're we're getting results right now, and that's that's really all that matters. Well, it's interesting you said that because Ben, you said last game um, you weren't going to know how, maybe it's a lesser game, I can't remember, but at some point you made a comment saying, I don't know how this is going to be after we do lose, and uh, we'll get to the details of the full match soon, but after they scored, I was like, well, A, we'll find out what we're made out of as a team, but B, we'll find out what we're made out of as a pod because we've had it pretty easy lately. Yeah, I mean, it's been smooth sailing on the high, high is that high seas then, if it's smooth sailing? I don't know. I, I don't I'm know. not a sailor, but uh, yeah, I was. I haven't been this nervous for a, a match all season. I mean, there was some some nervy moments. I was super anxious watching it, just knowing what's what's on the line, how we've been playing, knowing we have to friggin' record after this. Like the pressure was up for them, but I think it was probably higher for us as podcasters. Yeah, we didn't get into. We didn't unfortunately have time to make a preview pod, um, but you had mentioned over text that you were quite worried about this game. Tell us where that initial uh, fear came into going into the match. Yeah, I mean, just Fulham have pulled out some really tough results. I mean, Drew Liverpool came back and beat Brentford, uh, and they had another match too, which I'm currently pulling up. That was a good result. 
uh, tied Wolves, beat Brentford, tied Liverpool. I mean, that's a good start to the season. Tied Villarreal in a friendly. So uh, it just it just showed me like they're they're compact. They have Mitrovic who can who can score and pop one off, and and so I I knew it wasn't going to be an easy match. But I I didn't expect some of the the fire uh, and angst they'd bring. But I definitely think that that started to throw us a little bit. Um, but as we'll get into, we we really rose to the challenge. No doubt, Kevin. How did you feel going into the game? I would say, when did we play? Our last game was or Bournemouth last Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I felt great. So, I, I felt, so I felt like pretty much the whole week. Yeah, that's pretty much every day. I felt I felt good. I, I agree with Benji that they've been playing well, but just felt like our form was equally as good, and we have much more quality all over the pitch as compared to them. And then Saturday morning rolls around and trying to enjoy the – Manchester United Southampton game hoping for a rival to drop some points and then the news comes out that we may be getting to here in a second anyways about Arsenal missing a couple guys and all of a sudden your mind just goes to that worst place and it's like are you kidding me what just happened and we I always talk about it on here every time it feels like things are going up you're just waiting for something to bring you down and Saturday morning when the news dropped about the injuries you're just thinking are you kidding me right now and then obviously hoping for the best in regards to those injuries or whatever it may have been. So pre-match was a little bit more nervous, but still felt like we had the quality to get the three points. It was definitely a, a record scratch kind of moment to where things were great. We were flying high and within, you know, half hour before the team lineups dropped, um, it was leaked that Zinchenko and well, first it was leaked leaked that party was out, and that's what everybody was worried about for multiple reasons. Um, and Zinchenko, when the team lineup came out, Zinchenko was out as well. And thankfully, Mikel cleared the air and said it was a um, slight injury for both of them. Which on Friday he said the whole team was fit, so they must have both picked up slight knocks or just weren't good enough to go after that um, pre-match presser. So um, Tierney comes in a natural like-for-like like at left back, which we didn't have as much of that. Um, so I don't know how worried folks were about that. And El Nini, after deputizing many games for his African compatriot party, came in to hold down the number six position. Ben, how did you feel with those regulars from last year's uh, last year back in the lineup? Um, I don't really... I think the party injury was the one I was worried about. The We talked about last week the KT to Zinchenko switch didn't really worry me pre-match. Um, but I was a little worried how that would go not having Thomas party because he's been such a big part of our build-up. So I was a little nervous. Um, just in the sense of I didn't know how smooth we'd be able to play, but it didn't really – I still thought we would win. We should come away with a win. I didn't think that our level would drop too much where I was I was nervous. 
I was just, oh, I don't think we'll play as, as well as we have been. How did you feel about the Fulham lineup? I know me seeing Burnt Leno in goal, like he hadn't played. I don't think he had played any of the other games up to this point. Uh, maybe the one previous, but I hadn't seen him in the earlier ones when he could have. And of course, he's back. And we know how former Arsenal keepers play against Arsenal. And uh, we've seen how much of a bully Mitrovic has been. Um, although we've been been better against the physical forwards, that still always gave me some worries. How did you guys feel um, just about the Fulham lineup? Do you feel like it was something we could handle even with some changes or any uh, concerns? I felt like we still had the quality to deal with an attacker like that. I think, if anything, Tierney is an upgrade defensively over Zinchenko and wasn't sure how much of an effect on any would have one way or another on on the effect of them offensively. I think El Nenny's knock would be what he brings to our attack. But as far as defending them, I felt like it was it was going to be a good test definitely one of the more physical center forwards we were going to face, but was excited to see Saliba get a challenge like him having not faced anyone too similar yet in this season. And I thought to be fair, we handled him pretty well. I don't think, well, we'll, we'll get to the goal, but I thought overall we handled him pretty well. Yeah. I was, I I honestly like pre-match. I wasn't, like super locked into their lineup. But when I, when I did see Leno, I pretty much said, all right, sit back, grab a, a tub of popcorn and just watch because you know he was going to show up. It's just, it's a curse at this point. It's destiny. We, Grass we, is green, sky is blue, and former keepers play amazing. We know how it goes, no doubt. And Lucas Fabianski is probably the king of... Oh of that but anyways we fast forward to a pretty sleepy first half nil nil it seemed like we were on top certainly the better team Saka had a 1v1 chance that Leno made a good save on um I'm trying to think of the other chances nothing the Jaka yeah Jaka flying right foot that seemed it was it was very close but seemed to stretch for sure um so trying to trying to see any others, but nothing yeah. stood out other than those. How did you guys feel um, going into halftime? I was super freaking annoyed. Like I watched the game late. I, I muted everything and because we had a, a match, I helped coach a, a team. And so came in late, was sitting back trying to relax, but I was just getting annoyed because I think my motto – my constant phrase in the first half was shoot the freaking ball. Like uh, Odegaard and Saka, like just get it on frame, toe poke something like shoot it. And uh, I thought they played well, but in the final third, it was just kind of bland. Uh, so it's kind of like, come on, bro. At halftime. Yeah. yeah how, how did you feel? I Similar to, similar to what Ben said, I just, you felt that we had a lot of guys not at their best in the first half. I thought Saka was, you felt like he was giving like 60% or 70% and just 
missing that final end product. Martinelli, I just hyped up his service last Sunday on the pod, and then the the first half and even into the second half, his service was crap. If we're gonna if we're gonna be if we're gonna call out the good in our guys, we also have to be willing to call out the bad. And it was the worst service I've seen from him in a long time. It seemed like him and Tierney were mixed with their communication and what was going on on that on that left side. And and I think sometimes as frustration grows during those matches, the things that you feel as a fan comes out in your reactions. And I think El Nani does a very solid job for us when called upon, but every time he was getting the ball and then passing it backwards or sideways, I was just finding myself getting more annoyed. Even if Partey would have done the exact same thing and I wouldn't have been annoyed. It's, it's kind of ironic how you as a fan view everything through your own opinions and perceptions a little bit, but just felt like we were off and was annoyed going into halftime, but we've seen how quickly we can score in matches and, put teams under the gun and still felt confident that we would get things turned around going into that second half. Kevin, you had mentioned you felt like Saka has been going 70, 80%. Do we need to start a conversation about him possibly being burned out or is this just not him having to carry the team like he has the last two seasons? That's such a tough question. One that, I don't really want to be, I don't know if there is a wrong answer, but you don't want to say something that's not necessarily true. When when I look at Saka, the burst he's had offensively when he can just go from a stop to a start and absolutely skin a guy and leave him in the dust. I don't feel that I've seen that as much this year. He got dispossessed a couple times yesterday when you, in these 1v1 situations, when you really thought he was going to, to beat the guy and then either get to the touchline or cut it back. And, and I do think that he is feeling the effects of all the minutes and will definitely benefit from hopefully bringing in another winger or even just getting, getting rested for someone in a future game. But I think he, he's such a good player that he still gives us so much as we saw later on in the match. But I think there's definitely warning signs with him because he's not providing us what he did last year. And even though we've had other guys step in, I still think he can be better with the ball than, especially with his explosiveness than he has than what we've seen from him in the past year or two. I don't know. I, I saw something a little different. Like I, I was watching the extended highlights again, just as we were talking. And I do think we're going so much through Saka and, and Anthony Robinson isn't a bad shout out to the American. Isn't a bad uh, left back either. He's quick. I, thought, I thought he had a great game. He did. And so I thought Saka actually did fairly well because we go through him so much. He combined well with Odegaard. The end product wasn't there as much. I think his pressing wasn't as strong. And so that's where maybe I see some more of the fatigue, but I thought on the ball, they're always throwing two guys at him now more than ever. And so I just think that maybe we're being a little hard on him or have this vision of, of him being who he's going to be three years from now and not just like letting him build into the season. 
I don't think there's enough enough there to say like he's playing poorly because I think he's still creating a lot. Um, I just think it's our team is set up differently. I yeah. and I I definitely did not say he was playing poorly. I I agree with everything you said. I think just that final that final piece to get around the defender and, and play the ball in, or I agree the pressing and sometimes just that final pass is what's often so often that's a sign of fatigue for guys. Yeah. And mentally that's when, when you're fatigued like that and kind of in the red zone, it's those little mistakes that they get you and your concentration dips. And so that's what I see. I still think he is would start on almost every team in the prem with the way he's playing right now. I just think that, he's shown how high his ceiling is and we have to figure out how to get him back to that. Yeah. I think you could have the, the burnout question, even going into the season, regardless of his performances, just because of the age he's at and the level he's played at and the minutes he played at, you look at COVID and those seasons blending together and the euros, he's had a lot, a lot of games, a lot of pressure situations. And I mean, he's handled it tremendously you can't ask much more from him and it's natural to think you know is this going to catch up to somebody um but i would agree i think we just have a standard he has set a such a high standard so when he drops a six out of ten it seems like he's not doing anything but i think we'll we'll get to him a little more here shortly um going into the second half moving forward it looks like we're pushing. We have a couple chances um, when Odegaard finally gets a gets a way to take a hit from distance. Leno with a good save, and just after that, Leno's called in again when um, Gabriel Jesus has a half chance saved, and then just in a blink after that, we're down one nil. Saka gets the ball a deep right flank. Chips across across to uh, Gabriel, right about the penalty spot. He fumbles a couple touches. Mitrovic very cleverly wins it off him and slots the finish in past Ramsdale. And here we go again. I my mind instantly flashed to last season, the spring of last season when we lost to what well, a lot of. Springs to where with Emory when we lost to Palace with last year when we lost to Brighton at home those sunny days on that uh clock end with goal going in there Ben what did you think when we went down one nil in the 56 minute uh I thought that we were gonna have about 17 more chances after that and Bern Leno was gonna save them all and I was gonna be a very very grumpy individual and I was started immediately praying for my family because I didn't want to be a freaking jerk to them. It's safe to say we've seen this movie before, haven't oh, we? Oh my goodness. It was just torture. I mean, a little hard on Gabrielle because he's going to be the center point of that, but, but what a silly ball. Like as a ball was being flighted like that across the 18, I was like, what, what are you doing? And then to see him just not be able to get out of his feet, it, it was torture. It's like everything happened in slow motion and then they played it 17 times. And so it was rough, man. And then Mitrovic pounces on it and he was just kind of a pest at that point in the game. So then seeing his smug, stupid face scoring a goal, I was, 
as you can tell, it made me pretty grumpy. He is very smug. There's no doubt about that. He's that type of guy. He plays for you. You love him. You play against him. He's just that guy. And he, I mean, he's been lighting it up. That's four goals in four games. And, you know, it's almost, he, he, he's in great form. I know for me, as a former coach, if a player of mine played a ball like that, I'm he, I'm subbing him out right away. Kevin, I know you could probably relate and or hear me saying that, but if I'm a coach and Saka plays that ball, at college is obviously different to where you could sub him back in, but that to me, I mean, we had a pretty hard rule of no square balls in the back, and that was a square ball, though flighted. That was – uh. It seems so unnecessary. I mean, nil-nil at that point, but holy cow. I mean, you can't take that much away from Gabriel, who had plenty of time to take care of it. If he takes that ball down and goes out with it, there's no issues. But just the principle of playing that, Gabriel stuck in two minds, and and all of a sudden we're down one-nil. What are your thoughts, Kev? I'm so torn on that play just overall. I think it's no secret that we've wanted to play out of the back. And that's something that's been so big for us over the last two seasons or so. And I, I look at that sequence and if Gabrielle doesn't get caught on the ball, it would, that play would not even be mentioned once on the pod. And I think a little bit, that's the risk you take when you, when we play that way, those things are going to happen eventually. And you hope that, it doesn't come back to come back to bite you. I actually, I had looked away when the game was going on. I don't know if it was before or after that ball was played across and just felt that there was zero danger. And then all of a sudden I, I was watching with big Papa and heard him say something that might not be repeated on here. And I look <laughs> up and Mitrovic is firing it into the lower left corner and it's like are you kidding me right now out of no threat all of a sudden it's one nil i mean i think we're in we've we've been in cruise control defensively and although we may not be exactly dominating how we want to fulham has had no sniff of goal and all of a sudden we're down one nil i will give a major shout out to the fans i know we've talked about them a lot and uh it's pretty funny because We've never been there, but you can feel it even through the TV that things are different. It's really hard to describe. We gave up that goal, a very typical Arsenal goal. Like I said, I'm just flashing back. My PTSD is going through so many scenes of similar types of playing out of the back, losing at home, giving up on Mustafi, El Nani. I can think of four where it's happened. Yes. No doubt. And the fans just instantly start singing again, like almost even louder. And I, I mean, that's, this stood right out to me. It wasn't like, oh no, we've gone, we've done, gone and lost it. Um, or that was our chance. Now we have to get behind this team and, uh, and make it happen. You know, to me, like I said earlier, I thought, let's see what we're made out of. And I was trying to think, have we been here before? We only came from behind to win once last season was in that Wolves game. And 
you know, we know the stat of us scoring in the first half or us scoring first. And all these things did not bode well for us coming back. Did you guys feel like we had it in us? Ben, you mentioned the 17 chances and Leno saving them all. Kevin, did you feel like, yeah, I think we have this? Or did it make you think we haven't done much of this? We're a team that maybe hasn't done this much. Or did you think, you know, things are different. I really think we can do this. I was actually excited to see what the response was going to be. And you nailed it with the fans where, where I was watching the match at, we couldn't get them to, it was kind of annoying. We couldn't get them to turn the audio on for the game. So it was silent. And I remember commenting that it looks so loud in there, just from the movement from the fans, just watching the game live. I'm thinking, man, they, it has to be so loud. there trying to pick us back up and, We've seen how quickly we can just overwhelm teams and put pressure on, and it was our first chance to see to see that. So I, there's no way I can say I was excited for it, but I don't even think I had time to have those flashbacks to what it's been like in the past for us. I was just more excited for, all right, we have a little bit over half an hour to rescue this. Let's do it. Yeah, I think if we can be happy about anything about that goal was that it was early enough in the second half where we had time to get two goals back. So, But it did not take too long to level things up. We talked about Sokka, and I think his influence on the first our first goal was huge as he takes the ball, draws defenders, dishes it off to Odegaard, and they seem to have they seem to be looking for each other a lot today, especially around the box. Finds Odegaard, his shot uh, deflects and creeps in behind Leno. Emirates goes ballistic, and Odegaard's celebration um, was electric. I mean, I think that goal was. Um, let me see. I think it was seven minutes after we scored. It felt like it was right after, but I think that was huge. Getting such an instant reaction, uh, it looked like his shot. His initial shot was, I think, was going to really have a chance to go in, but that deflection, wrong-footed Leno to go in. Ben, we're 1-1 with about 30 minutes left. How are you feeling about our chances at that point? At that point, I mean, I loved the response from Mikel to... to oh, yes, I skipped over that. To say, you know what, like, screw this, we're going for it. And we go back to a formation we saw a lot in the preseason where Martinelli kind of drops into that wide midfield role and we play a 3-5-2 with Eddie and Ketia coming on for Kieran Tierney, um, which I thought was a good move because Tierney was really quiet outside of the first 10 minutes. He, he um, didn't provide us a lot. And so I think for a manager who we kind of get on for not making early changes, a 61st-minute sub for an attacker for a defender was – Pretty bold, but he he had a vision and said we're going for it. And I think that he, even that little move is going to instill something in the guy. Then you see our pace of play pick up, you see our intensity pick up, and then the drive from Saka right after that. He just put his head down and, and went forward. That was kind of like it's feeding from the sideline a little bit of saying like, mm-hmm. no, 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 we're attacking this game. So I felt pretty good actually. Uh, after we scored, I would have been okay stealing a, a draw at this point. Really? Um, 
a little bit, but that, that was my initial thought. And I said, oh, no, we're at home. We have to win this. A point to Fulham at home. Those are the matches we can't give away. Um, and I think that's the switch the club has, is trying to make from being okay with coming down and tying to being okay coming down and we better we better win and steal the points, especially when we're in front of our home crowd. Yeah, I'll jump in quick. I was really hoping that we saw a change quickly, and it was the exact change I was thinking, Eddie, for KT, because you had mentioned we've seen it a lot in preseason. I can think of – what did we? I can't remember the German team we had put Nuremberg, uh, and we were down 2-0 at half, and we go to three in the back and go out and score, I think it was four or five goals – but it was all offense, and I think, uh, yeah, I just really you could you could see based off of that that Mikel is not going to be wasting time when we are down chasing a goal, and I think that was something we saw some last year. So um, loved the move. Yeah, I agree, Ben. KT wasn't at his best. Um, to be fair, he hasn't played significantly. But I think stylistically, so much different than Zinchenko to where it was a little different for everyone. Um, but I loved the move. And uh, Eddie Eddie had a tremendous 30 minutes and I think uh, really changed changed the mood in the stadium, but really changed um, the tilt of the game. Um, Kev, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, Nick, you definitely called that move when it was going on. And or right before it happened. And one of the things that I noticed in that second half, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but when we first made the change, Martinelli went to that like wing back left back role in the three, five, two and Saka was still out more on the right side. And then I don't know when it happened, but at one point they completely switched. Did you guys notice that when that happened and Saka went all the way to that left back, yeah, it was after we scored, and then there was an injury or a water break or something, and then Smith or then uh, Sako went back. Yeah, I thought that was fast. I thought that was fascinating. I know he'd gotten, I don't want to say dispossessed. He he just turned the ball over a couple of times trying to make passes, and then all of a sudden he was switched back, and it was like, whoa, that's a that's a big switch to make. What? Why do you think that change occurred? The announcers were saying that it looked like Xhaka and Odegaard went over to Mikel and were, were pointing and talking to that position. And so I think it was, it looked like we were 2v1 uh, on the outside there because Martinelli was having a hard time tracking back so much. And so it kind of left Gabrielle exposed out there on that wing, uh, that left back spot. And so we just needed a little more cover because between Xhaka, Martinelli, and, and Gabrielle, it was a bit too confusing with the way Fulham were playing. And so I think it was just to sure things up and settle us back down um, to make sure we didn't concede really quick after scoring. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. That was kind of the way I saw it too. And, you know, I felt that, I guess a little bit different than Ben. I felt once we got one, it was absolutely time to go for it. And for me, I think Risking it for three points is much more important than blowing it and even losing at home and only going from one point to zero. And I felt that we had, like I said, pre-match the quality to get it done. So was glad to see all of those different moves being made. And, you know, we've given 
Mikel some crap for sometimes being late and making those moves. And this was a match when he he subbed early. And we didn't sub a lot necessarily, but we made an early change, which significantly turned things around. Yeah, I love the intent with the change. I love how quickly we scored that goal. And I think after that, um, it was it was going to be really hard for Fulham to hold on. Um, I think like what you said, Ben, it was just going to be constant pressure. And you're just hoping that we can finally batten down the hatches and, and get that second. But soon after we scored, Mitrovic again has another chance. I am very surprised they didn't call it a foul, but he was all over. Uh, I think it was Gabriel Jesus all over his back and an b- absolute bullet header, huge save from Ramsdale and then a huge block from a sliding Ben White. And that was just a huge uh, reminder that, yeah, we're, we're not out of it right now. And um, we're really going to have to, to play to, to keep it. And um, yeah, can... did, you guys, did you guys notice that's the second, like um, defensive set piece that we've struggled to defend in our box two weeks in a row. Um, there were a couple last week that that made me a little nervous for Bournemouth, and then they Fulham had two, I think, in this match that just. Uh, I hope the Yover magic is not wearing off. Well, to me, it's like why, why is Jesus on Mitrovic? Like, why is it Mitrovic being double teamed? That, I mean, that's that's my question. I mean, there's nobody more dangerous than him in this game in the air. And, uh, yeah, it's, that's my only question. And maybe he was. He just broke free. But, um, yeah, that's the first thing I'm – I noticed that. I'm like, how is this happening? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. But it, it also was just like we – giving up a big chance like that right after we concede, like – Again, that's just part of that maturation process, hopefully, that we're just learning to do that in Ramsdale with just some big, strong hands. Right. Um, Right after my wife was complimenting Burn Leno's looks and missing him being in our goal. (laughs) It was was very weird to see him on the other side. And I know all pretty much most of last season he hardly played. um, But it was just very odd. Like, I, I don't know why... I obviously expected it, but it was just very strange. Um, and yeah, he—I mean—he showed what kind of shot stopper he was. And yeah, thankfully that Odegaard shot was deflected and didn't give him a chance for that one. So we continue to move through the second half. Uh, Martinelli has a chance that was saved, and Kedia has a chance that goes wide. And Kedia just looked. He looked like a man possessed. I mean, he was uh, doing tricks and flicks and spins and finding lots of space. I think we're used to him usually playing, obviously, to the center, sometimes moving out in the left pocket. But with that switch you guys had mentioned, he was found himself out on the right and uh, looks dynamic out there. And can I can I give uh, Eddie and Katia comparison right now? A new one. Let's hear it. Never never heard before. I feel like I might take some flack for this, but. He reminded me yesterday of prime Daniel Sturridge at Liverpool. Interesting. Ooh, I like that. That's a good shout. And I absolutely loved Sturridge. He was linked with us for a long time, even when when he kind of had his quick fall off. And I 
I really wanted him because I was thinking maybe we can turn his career around, but his ability to pick up the ball and weave through defenders and just that quick burst forward was exactly what Sturridge did so well for them back whenever he played mid 2010s. But that was the one I've always tried to figure out like, who does he remind me of? And I don't know that I think what he showed us this preseason has been better than anything we've ever seen from him. So that's why it's kind of a new comparison, but that is, that is where my mind went. What do you guys think about that? I love that shout for sure. Yeah. Do you guys think this was Enkedia's best performance in an Arsenal shirt? Knowing there's uh, some low-level cut matches, the game against Chelsea last season. Uh, but would, was this his best 30 minutes? To me, it will be the Chelsea one for sure. Uh, it's it's hard to say with a, um, with a performance off the bench, only 30 minutes, but... Even you watch his two-minute comp videos, and uh, he's electric. And it's like, how do we find a way to get him on the field? And, I mean, as long as you're winning games, you're not going to change this lineup. And uh, we'll talk about the Villa match here um, once we get done um, with the Fulham review. But he is just chomping at the bit and is easily the first name off the bench. And uh, I feel like he deserves more And you know, it's pretty amazing that Mikel throughout the season continued to say how important and how much he valued Enkedia, even when Eddie wasn't playing, finally gives him the chance. Eddie Eddie talks about needing a chance, gets a chance, plays tremendously, and uh, earns a new contract, even knowing we have a new center forward coming. And he looks like he's make, made that step. So it's, uh, it's so great to have, you know, another scoring option off the bench like a lot of the best teams do yeah it's been a long time coming i I, i'm trying to think when was our last time we could bring someone that dynamic off the bench you know he seems this was pre my arsenal days but very much a nawaku kanu to where just a bit of a fox in the box off the bench um like a soulshire Almost, but that might be doing him a discredit because I think he, um, I mean, those are both Premier League legends that score a ton of goals. But um, to me, I think my comparison is a little bit of a Chicharito to where um, it just has an eye for goal, gets in the positions. But seeing him get a little wider, finding more space, he looks dynamic in that way too. So very interested to see um him continue to grow and, and just be another option for us. Yeah. And it feels like he's used his energy better in 30 minutes than he has in some of his other 15 minute uh, appearances where it, it felt like he just, I know the numbers don't back this up, but it just feels like his energy levels were higher, uh, even though he's kind of been the same his whole career it felt like he just really left it left it out there a bit more even if the final touches weren't there even if he didn't finish a couple or, or made didn't complete the final pass he, he just gave us a spark yeah Arteta said uh, when asked about Enkedia's impact he said I looked in his eyes he was ready for a fight and he's he's just a, a bulldog he he's all about these kind of situations and uh 
you know, even just going back to that podcast, like I want a chance and, you know, it's hard to make an impact in nine minutes here or there, but, and he's right. And I th- feel like to say that and then back it up like he did at the end of the last season, I think says a lot getting cut from Chelsea's Academy and, and finding a new home and making a way like he just, he seems like he has a determination about him. And, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll see how he continues to progress, but um, his impact was, was noted even without a goal or an assist today or yesterday. So huge, huge minutes for Eddie and uh, certainly changed the game for us. So um, we continue through the second half. Um, like I mentioned, Enkedia with a couple opportunities, Leno continuing to make saves. Uh, Martinelli skips past a couple. Uh, he ended up back on the left and uh, a Leno save at his near post. And finally, we get a, a service more typical of how Martinelli's been playing balls in this year. Um, and Leno gives us a shade of Leno from times past where when he's under some pressure, he flaps at it. Ball bounces to Gabrielle, finishes, redemption arc complete, 2-1 Arsenal, and the Emirates is dancing. Kevin, what did you do after he scored? Let's let's get the play-by-play. After he scored, well, should I say before he scored, probably once we hit about the 75th minute, I was standing the entire time and was I can't say I was pacing, but I was definitely standing and starting to get ride the highs and the lows of the match. I think if Eddie would have scored one of those two chances he had, I would have called it his best match in an Arsenal shirt. And I, I trust that with confidence, he's going to start burying more of those chances. And then who knows how high his sky or his ceiling's going to be, but got the corner. And like I said earlier, Martinelli's service had been so poor all match that it's almost, you almost want us to go short and whipped it in. And the second Leno came and didn't get it. I was already like screaming, not screaming. I was ready to scream and then couldn't even see the ball really get kicked in, but saw the players take off running. And I literally think I smacked Big Papa right in right in the arm, yelling and just was ready for for another all time great Arsenal celebration. And then slight moment of stress when they were like, "There's a VAR check going on," and I watched it and I'm like, "No way!" I just could not figure out what they were trying to call. And then so- they mentioned, and then they mentioned handball. I'm like, "Oh well." Obviously, if it touches the hand in the buildup of a goal, it's not going to count no matter what. And uh, I was just looking. I'm like, well, I uh, I don't see anything. And that was a, a double celebration afterwards. Ben, what were your thoughts on uh, the go-ahead goal from Big Gabby? I was losing my mind. <laughs> I like it was a long day. I just been been out all day, and so at that point like my nerves finally broke and I just like was yelling and screaming and hoping I didn't wake up my son. And, uh, it was at that point I knew for sure that we're winning the league. No doubt about it. I, I had quite the morning. I had to proctor a standardized test at my uh, high school. So was watching the game on the way home. And as I was pulling in 
we bagged it. And so it was an interesting experience. If I was at home, I uh, very much know I would have been up going crazy. But just, I mean, a deserved goal. Great to see that from Gabby. I mean, the response after uh, just giving up the first goal. I mean, he, you could see he was breaking lines with his passes and mm-hmm. looked like it didn't phase him to where, you know, as he's made other mistakes, you can see him being a little more uh, reserved on the ball. So saw a big change from him there. So yeah, it was, it was pretty massive how far forward he was to end the game. Uh, We were playing so high in the final third. And I thought, I really did think he had a great end of the match. Yeah. I think, I think that's really by design because the more guys we have high, the more they can't get out. And in a situation like that, that's, I think exactly about how we, we took care of business. So uh, the Emirates is rocking, but we have one more huge moment uh, late in the game. Uh, great set piece from Fulham. And I believe it was Gabrielle was sleep. Gabrielle and White got behind. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was um, I think it Chalaba. was Gabrielle and White. Yeah, it was Chalaba. Uh, sliding finish, huge save from Ramsdale. And I thought, man, how big of a letdown would that have been if we gave that up? But huge save from Ramsdale, full-time whistle. Tequila is playing instantly post-game. Emirates is rocking. What a three points. And just after listening to all uh, all the bloggers, of Gunner Bog and – um, FK from Latte Firm, everybody else. I mean, they just can't say enough about this atmosphere. Uh, James from Gunnerbog said uh, the tickets for Bournemouth away were going for four figures. And he said, he's like, you can hardly get a ticket. I mean, this is the place to be. And it was such a party atmosphere. I was so upset that NBC cut the, cut the post game and, um, cut it short because usually they'll be out on the field for a little bit. But man, the Emirates was rocking. I first off, I love the tequila song in the first place, but to hear hear that riff right after we win and just the Emirates start singing it was what a moment for sure. That uh, you know, are we at a point where the Emirates is the cauldron that it was in the you know first couple years of uh of the Emirates era when we had the peak Wenger teams. I mean, it's, I, I might say that we could experience a whole new Emirates because even when it, when it first opened, some of the complaints were it wasn't, I didn't have the rowdiness of Highbury. And so maybe this is uh next gen. This is, this is something we haven't experienced in this new stadium. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this is this is Arteta's arsenal, and um, yeah, there is a different feeling, no doubt. And um, I, I think lots of people are saying they haven't had this feeling since Highbury, and we might be in uncharted Emirates territory. So, Kevin, I mean, what did you think? What would it have been like for you if, if you were in there? I know you couldn't hear it, but I know what you mean by you can see it for sure. I mean, absolute limbs after Gabrielle's equalizer or go ahead goal. Yeah. The first thing I did after the match was done, I went out to my car and I just loaded NBC sports Twitter account and I replayed the goals and then the post game and was just, I probably sat in my car for 20 minutes scrolling on Twitter and looking at all the videos and 
just trying to soak it all in. And yeah, I was, I was pissed that they cut the feed too, even without audio, I was still loving watching it. And I think we've learned over the years how difficult it is to win and how tough three points are and all these matches, especially when you come back like we did are, are so much fun. And I have a, a tweet that I saw yesterday that I pulled up to read off and it said the last time Arsenal won a match, having been down a goal in the second half. Do you know when that was being down a goal that was scored against us in the second half? Oh, is this our next Twitter question? Let's throw it out there. It can be. I'll, I'll save the answer. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say it one more time. So, the last time Arsenal won a match, having been down a goal in the second half, and the caveat there is that, that was a goal that was scored against us in the second half. So the Wolves game last February, I think it was, does not count since that goal was first half. Okay. You said at home? No, anywhere. Oh, just anywhere. Home mm. or away. Yeah. I'm stumped. Yeah. I, I I think I think it's been a while. You'll have to tell us. I'm sending here. it to you. I'm sending it to you right now. Okay. And the funny thing is, I re- it was. I'm not going to say any more than that. Wow. Don't don't want to spoil it. That is wild. But I so thought that any, was wild. If any of our listeners have an idea or a guess, feel free to uh, feel free to send it to us, and uh, yeah, we'll post that this week. But. That is some stat for sure, and I mean, I couldn't, I, I couldn't think of anything. So, so some huge performances. We have talked a lot about Eddie and how tremendous he was off the bench. But I'm going to give some shout outs to Ben White. I think again, this was his best deputization at right back. I mean, he continues just to be that guy. He is just so poised and calm on the ball. He continues to break lines, press resistant, and seeing this out at right back is just, um, yeah, it's calming. I mean, we could have used this a lot last year um, when we were without Tomiyasu, but we did not have Saliba, who put in another commanding performance. I mean, he just continues to look like a guy that, like, I feel like he could start for France at the World Cup in a matter of months, and that would that would not shock anyone. He's been that good. And I'll give another shout-out to Ramsdale. I think... Um, you know, Kevin, obviously you being a keeper, I feel like you have this mentality as well. But when you need to stand up and be counted, you gotta you gotta earn it. And uh and he certainly did that for us. And that's what good teams have, keepers that come through in moments like this. So was absolutely thrilled for him. So uh, but the man of the match, we gotta talk about Martin Odegaard. How good was this guy been after watching it back? What were your thoughts on Odegaard? Magisterial. Uh, I mean, he was. I mean, that is a midfield performance that we have been needing from him, and and we've we've seen glimpses of it. But I mean, he pulled all the strings, and it felt like Mikel probably leaned into him a little bit at halftime because he came out with even more fire, and was just just you. It just felt like he came out in the second half, and you're like, oh, he's definitely scoring like no doubt about it did you guys get that feeling he i i could tell he you know when he i think he knew 
what a proper captain's performance had to be. I thought he looked solid in the first half, but I know what you mean. He's like, somebody's got to do it, and I'm in the position where, yeah, I got to be that guy. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just next level from him. And I think, again, we see, why does he have the captain's band? And it's just these last two weeks, he's really proven himself as to who he is in this locker room, who he is in this team. And and the Prem better wake up. Like, like he is, he's marching on as, as someone that, that teams need to be aware of. It's it's just pretty amazing that we have him. I mean, the, the getting him late uh, in the January window on loan um, when we desperately needed an injection into our attack. Went through the saga last summer about Ancelotti saying he's staying, part of Madrid's plans, wasn't playing, and waiting him out. James Madison being rumored for over double the price, and uh, we go back in and get our guy. And now he's leading our team uh, in multiple ways with goals and just being um, being the face of the club now as as club captain. And I just – some of the, the balls he played, especially that scoop ball over the top to Enkidia, was just – just unreal. I mean, great run from Enkidia, just an exquisite ball. And if that ball would have gone in, uh, I think the Emirates truly would have exploded because that would have been a goal worthy to win any game. But tremendous performance from him. Was very happy. Kevin, do you think Odegaard is our Kevin De Bruyne? That way to call me out on that. I literally just texted <laughs> Nick and said, is he our KDB? You know, I, I saw something on uh, TalkSport where I think it was like Bon Lahore or somebody else uh, compared him to De Bruyne just with his eye for a pass. I, I think that might be a little extreme, um, but I think he certainly has that eye. And it's easy to think of a left-footed playmaker and think Ozil, but, you know, he's just not – he is such a complete player to where – you think what part of your game is lacking? I mean, he works, he covers so much ground. He can get stuck into a challenge, but he's silky enough to lay the ball off, find a threaded pass, all types of passes, can switch the field, had a great switch that led to that Xhaka chance we'd mentioned. And I think adding this end product, these goals and assists, is certainly his next step in having three and four games is a fantastic start for him and, and we're going to need it if we want to achieve what we want to achieve. But you can tell that um, he, I think he knows he, he needs to add this and he's mentioned it multiple times in post-match interviews. Like, I know I need to shoot more. Everybody's telling me to shoot more. I should have shot more. And he's starting to starting to take those chances. And I love that from our captain. No doubt. Did you guys see the celebration police out? I don't know if you uh, have seen it on, on BN Sports, but uh, wee, wee, wee. I just can't believe people don't like to see us having a good time. And I mean, nobody's talking about Tottenham when they go up 2 0 at newly promoted Nottingham Forest. Fans coming down from the stands. Harry Kane getting a yellow card from going into the stands. Nobody's talking about that, but yet we're going to talk about beating a better Fulham team coming from behind and and winning is that Kev you mentioned it's hard to win 
in the Premier League at a consistent rate, and we did that under those circumstances. But I, I just I'm so sick of that narrative. Like I'm so sick of it. So and those the same announcers who I forget, I forget what their names were because honestly I could care less. But those same announcers today I saw where they were quoted talking about how the Tottenham celebration shows the club's togetherness with the fans and how much it means to them. And it's honestly laughable at this point. The biggest part of believes they just say it. Like we said last spring when the celebration police were out that they're just saying it for clicks because they know that we'll give into it a little bit. But at the same time, it's almost like a rallying point for us to just get annoyed and, to come together against these idiots who are voicing these, just these stupid opinions. And if they want to hate us for having fun, then hate away. We, we can become the most hated team in the premier league for all I care. Yep. Yep. The media's narratives seem to be pushing other things and that's fine. We'll, we'll stay right where we are. Keep winning games and uh, plugging away. So another incredible day at the Emirates and it just, I'm going to keep talking about this because I'm just absolutely excited to be there in just a matter of weeks to be a part of this atmosphere because we get to see it from the TV and it's like, wow, can you imagine being a part of that? So very excited about that. So we will wrap up with a quick chat about Villa. We're at home, another home game. It'll be four home games in the first six games. Uh, Home against Villa who slumped to a 1-0 defeat at the hands of West Ham at home for them. So what are you guys' thoughts on Villa? What are you guys' thoughts on our team going into that game? Yeah, I Villa on paper look better than they are. And so, uh, you know, they struggled against Palace, struggled against Bournemouth, scraped by a struggling Everton team. Um, then a loss to a struggling M team. I feel pretty good. Um, but again, as I look at who they have in there, I'm just kind of surprised at, at uh, their results right now. Do you guys feel similar? I think I described them to somebody. Maybe it was Kev that they're kind of like Everton from a couple years ago where you look on paper like, yeah, that looks like a good team piece together, but when it comes down to it, just not quite getting it done. And um, I heard that their uh, Gerard's top assistant left, and that seems to be making a huge difference. And yeah, I mean, they have the talent. It's it's almost like where Leicester's at. I think they're very similar to where it's like, well, yeah, they have talent. They have dangerous players. Um, although Coutinho limped off injured today, so I think we'll see Buendia from the start, but just talented players. But just like any game, I'm at this point, I'm like, if we're at home, I don't care who it's against. I mean, with the way the fans are and the way our team is playing, you know, I like our chances against about anyone. Did Ollie Watkins limp off too? I did not notice. I only caught a little bit, but saw Coutinho go off. Yeah, Watkins played the whole match. Okay, I for some reason I thought Nick had said Watkins was limped off too because I, I remember Coutinho, but agree with what Nick just said. You know, they are in a bad run of form. They had to play midweek 
last week than they played today. They'll be on shorter rest than we are. And I don't know if they'll rotate. They'll be forced to a little bit with some of the guys, but just not in a good run of form. I think this is just my personal opinion, but I, I get very annoyed at how well Gerard gets talked about as manager and I get it. He's an England great, but the way the media slags off on people like Jesse Marsh and then Steven Gerrard is given a free pass for what is a very good squad that's not gotten really any results. I I hope we can keep them keep them down and get three points and we'll get into I think we'll get into lineups here in a second. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I feel like he's gotten a a free pass, and uh, I think he's found life in the Prem hard so far because they have a good team, but going through the Tyrone Ming saga right now and just other other things. I mean, you know, their signings, Buendia hasn't been a $40 million signing. Um, they're searching for goals, and, uh, yeah, it's just been interesting go of it so far, but I really like our chances against them at home, so... Are you predicting, either of you predicting us to rotate much? I've seen some shouts online that Smith Rowe, Lakonga, Inkedia, Tomiyasu all need to start. Do you anticipate us rotating that much, knowing this is our first midweek match? Zinchenko and Party were out and will probably most likely be out for this one. And we have a match on Sunday at Old Trafford. Do you guys anticipate wholesale changes? think there'll be a few changes uh but i don't think we'll go wholesale i think the core of the team will be there but i could see uh one of our front three coming um being rotated in i could see i think odegaard will still play but i could see smith Rowe coming in maybe at the eight um maybe maybe at at one of the wings but um i could see Tommy Asu maybe getting a run in, saving Ben White for the weekend. Uh, so maybe like three changes I could see, but but anything bigger than that, I think Arteta will be wary because we're still in the prem. Kevin, what do you think? And you know that reminds me real quick about Tommy Asu. You want to talk about a bulldog? That dude was Ooh. on a mission when he came in yesterday, not backing down from any fight. And I absolutely loved that. And so I wanted to give that quick shout out to him. But I also think there will be some changes. I, I know Arteta said after the game that he didn't necessarily anticipate Sinchenko and Partey being back for Wednesday. And then did you see what the team medical doctor had to say? Gary O'Driscoll is a fan favorite. He after is. All or nothing. No doubt. And yeah, someone like asked him about those two. And do you, do you remember exactly what he said? He said they asked um what the status of party and Zinchenko was. Um, while he was in his car, um, leaving the stadium, and he said that it was just precautionary. So, I mean, safe to say Zinchenko felt okay. I mean, he was all up, all on the camera, all over everything during. Loved that. Going at the fourth official in the celebrations, the steward was coming out for that for him, which was really funny because he was in his training uh, or his travel gear. But um, yeah, I think I think especially after that comment, I don't think we're seeing either one of them 
midweek, and I hope they'll be good to go and back um, by uh, by uh, the weekend against Old Trafford. So, um, Do you guys label this as a, a classic, quotes, trap game? Um, it's a team who's struggling. Who on paper we should beat. We have a big away match to one of our biggest rivals in United. A team we're going to you know, most likely be battling for top four, top six with. Uh, is this one of those matches where we look back and say, oh, we, we, we lost focus? Yeah, I mean, it's our first midweek game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they treat it. Yeah, I mean, if he rotates multiple guys and we don't win, and that's going to be a letdown for sure. But um, like I said, I mean, us being at home, I like our chances against about anyone, and I really think we should be taking care of business, uh, even if we rotate, just because we're at home and and the the fans or the state that we're playing in. Like, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think we should be able to to do that. I mean, that's a fair question, Ben. Kev, how do you feel? I hate that question. First off, <laughs> well, let's. I, I hate you, Kevin. That that's fair. I guys, guys. I think that we have a much more mature team than we've had in the past, and I think that will help. And I don't know how much I view it as a trap game, or just you're gonna have a day that you don't you don't bring your best and you don't win. And part of me thinks that that was Saturday for us. I don't. Well, I think we had a lot of guys who were a little bit short of their best, and we still managed to grind out the three points. And I think that was that was a good thing for us. And the optimistic side of me also hopes that, you know what, maybe Partey and Zinchenko are on the bench in this match. And if we need some 65th minute substitutions to change things, those are two absolute dogs that we can bring in. And that's the very optimistic side of me, but more so I would much rather have them back and ready to go for old Trafford on, on the weekend. Yeah, I I agree for sure. Because if we can get through another game without them, I mean, we're at the point where we have more depth and we have depth in those areas. And if we can win without them, then credit, that's where we want to be. So, Ben, if you got to put a number down, what's your prediction for Villa at home? Villa at home, I feel way more confident than I did last week. I'm going to go with, a solid 2-0, oh, 3-0. Shoot, 3-0. Sokka with a brace. He's back. Kevin? Those were the two scores I was looking at, so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll give a 2-0 just so I don't copy Ben. We'll go prices right rules here. Uh. But I think I really want to say Saka will score, but I also think that Jesus didn't score last match, so there's zero percent chance he won't he won't score for us here. But I'll also say Enketia gets his first goal this season. That is my more so of a hot take. Hmm. I think um, I'm going to go with two nil as well, Kev. Um, I really think the back line is going to want to set that right and get another clean sheet. And Villa has really really struggled to score and create goals 
this year. And I think we see Enkedia get a, get a start. I think he starts either for Martinelli or for Saka um, on one of the wings. And I think that would be great. Um, he deserves it. And the others deserve a break. And I hope they don't see it as them being dropped. But um, I feel like Enkedia has earned it and the others have earned a break. And if we have the luxury of being able to do that, Let's do that because we have a long season adding European fixtures and hopefully a deep European run. Um, we got to make sure we're balancing things as much as we can. So that's where I'm at with that. And I hope hopefully we get to see some Fabio Vieira minutes. We've yet to see him. He looks unhappy on the bench, which is good because I want guys that are not happy when they're not playing. So, all right. Any last words for the good of the cause? We're top of the league, and we are going to win it. Kevin? I've got nothing outside of we're still top of the league, and I'm going to enjoy every dang second that we are on top of the table. Absolutely. Love hearing that, and love that we have a midweek game so we don't have to wait as long to see Mikel's Tricky Reds back in action. A big week, a big a big eight days for the Arsenal. We have Fulham home. Check that box, a celebratory atmosphere at the Emirates, and we'll be home again to Villa before a trip to Old Trafford and hopefully some vengeance on the minds. I think we're talking trap game. That United game is the trap game, but we can't look ahead to that yet because of Villa. So for Ben and Kevin, I am Nick with the Arsenal Bros. Thank you for listening and up the Arsenal. Come on, you Gunners. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. What a great time to be a fan. If you're enjoying this content, we're on about every week talking about the team that we love. And the vibes are good when the points are good. And right now the points are flowing. So thanks so much for listening. And check us out on Twitter at the Arsenal Bros. Share it with a friend. Jump on and, and say hey if, if you've listened. We appreciate it so much. <laughs>